praise God. Can we all turn to the screen this morning with verse 2 I read from you. And can we just make this our worship? We'll sing verse 2 chorus and then the bridge. And then we'll come back and let's just lift up our praise unto the Lord and worship Him in spirit and truth. Let's worship together. I ran from you. From you, I wandered in the shadows and found the God who relentlessly pursues. I hid from you, haunted by my failure, and found the Grace still covers me. I fell on you when I was at my weakest and found the God, the lifter of my head. And I've worshipped you and felt you right beside. God of all my days 
Father, as we have gathered here this morning, we just want to declare a God that you are our God and that you are our King. All of our worries and the things that we are facing at this moment are all temporary. But what is eternal is our relationship that is found in Jesus Christ. So I pray, God, that we would approach your throne with confidence this morning. I pray that we would set aside every worry, every distraction, and every attack and the hindrance of the enemy. Lord, we trust in you and we rely on you. We hold on to our Lord, our Lord, our foundation, our rock, our root, our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray as you transition to the message, I pray, Lord God, that the word of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who will be listening here today, Lord, may be pleasing in your sight, O God. And may our King and our Lord, our focus be on you and you only. Lord, we declare, God, you are the beginning middle and our last you are everything we give you all of our praises to you we love you we thank you for this time to worship you and to hear your word here today we thank you we love you we give you all the glory and all the honor for all of these things in your precious son just cross in me pray amen and amen and amen all right let's all take our seat Uh, God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Today, we will be on part 16 of Real Faith. And we are almost done with the book of James. We're on the last chapter. And I know that this following Wednesday is our Ash Wednesday, which is the start of our Lent for 2024. I will most likely finish this series on the first week of Lent uh, because it's going to put everything in perspective. Or if we gather on Thursday, I may finalize that as well. But I'm going to follow the Lord's leading and then we'll go accordingly. But today we're going to focus on verse 7 to 12 in the fifth chapter of James. And the title of today's message is endure always, endure always. And it says this in James 5, verse 7 to 12, the heading says, Patience and suffering is broken down into three sections, verse 7 through 9, 10 through 11, and then verse 12. The first part, it says, Be patient then, Brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. As we are in the season of winter and we are also waiting the spring, we need to put ourselves in a position of a farmer. The scripture is reminding us, be patient, 
wait for its crops, the valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, verse 8, be patient and stand firm. It's talking to us Christians. Stand firm, be patient. Because the Lord's coming is near. The Lord is coming back soon. Be patient. Verse 9, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. And in the second section, verse 10, it says, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets. It's giving the prophets in the Bible as an example for us to remember and to reflect on, and to meditate on. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance, and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. The second section here is reminding you, the brothers and sisters of Christ, is giving us an example of two Two categories, two people. The first part is the, are the prophets. And the second is Job. And we all have read the Bible and we know how their life, their end is. How they end their life. How the end came about. We know that the Lord was full of compassion and he was full of mercy. And then the last section here, verse 12. James ends with this. He says, above all, above all, everything that I mentioned, above all, my brothers and sisters, talking to you Christians, do not swear. This isn't curse words. We're not talking about curse words here. So turn to your neighbor and say, do not swear. <laughs> do not. We're not talking about curse words. This is not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. It's talking about oath, a promise that you make. Otherwise, you will be condemned. I have three points for us, and each point, we're going to divide it into the three sections that I just read. The first section will be found in verse 7 to 9. The second point will be broken down into second section, verse 10 through 11. And then my third point will be broken down into verse 12 about swearing. And now with that, let me begin with point number one. Be patient in oppression. Be patient in oppression. Verse 7 to 9, it says, be patient. Then brothers and sisters, talking to you. If you are not a Christian, this message is not for you. If an atheist reads this, this doesn't apply to them because they will not wait for the Lord's coming. They don't need to be patient because they live according to their own agenda, according to their own timeline, according to their own destiny. But it's talking to you Christians who are fellow Christians, who are fellow soldiers in the Lord, is talking to you, saying, be patient then, brothers and sisters. Until what? Until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. 
is reminding us who our leader is, who we need to be fearful for, of, who we need to revere. He's saying Jesus is standing at the door. God is at the door. He is our ultimate judge. He's saying don't grumble, and he's saying patiently wait. Patiently wait for its valuable crop as a farmer waits for its valuable crop. As a farmer waits for the autumn and the spring rains, God is reminding us, wait for the Lord. Wait for His return patiently. So He's reminding us, again, point number one, be patient in oppression. Letter A, keep fighting the godly fight. That's what James is teaching us. Keep fighting the godly fight. I'm not talking about good fight. Yes, it's important to do good things, to do good moral things, morally right things. Yes, those are good. Just because something is moral doesn't mean it is godly, though. Just because you're a good person, you don't go to heaven. You need to be a godly individual. Then you go to heaven. Then you have access to the relationship that is found in Christ. So we need to keep fighting the godly fight. What is the godly fight? We serve God through our local church. We pray always. We repent. And when we're at home, we pray. Not just for ourselves, but for our family members, for our friends, for our enemies. We praise. When we come to church, we worship. We lift up our hands. That is the godly fight. If you're not lifting up your hands and worship, if you're not fully immersed in your worship to the Lord, then we're not fighting the godly fight. Why? Ultimately, because it's a spiritual fight. We need to understand that we are living in a spiritual realm, not what we see with our tangible, earthly eyes. Keep fighting the godly fight. You cannot forget to pray, praise. You cannot you need to repent. You need to pray. You need to worship. Let it be, for the Lord is coming soon. James is reminding us that the Lord is coming soon. Our master is coming back. So don't slack off. Don't grow lazy. Don't grow complacent. Work hard for the things of the Lord. Let us see. Therefore, do not grumble. Do not grumble. What does that mean in verse 9? Don't grumble against one another. It's saying, make sure there is peace. Make sure there is no division. Don't fight over trivial matters. Trust in the Lord. Let there be unity among your relationships with each other. Letter D. Patiently wait on the Lord. Patiently wait. So as we fight, we patiently wait. As we patiently wait, we keep fighting. We fight the godly fight. And letter E, for the judge will bring justice. In life, there will be a lot of unfair things that will happen to us. And there are a lot of things that we will do also to another individual. But we need to remember that the judge is here and the judge will bring about justice. 
to every deed done, to every action, the good and the bad, He will bring order to every unfairness that we have faced. So as Christians, we understand that glory awaits us. It says here in Romans 8, 18, it says, I consider that our present sufferings, I'll say it again, I consider, Paul is saying, right now, what I'm going through, my present suffering, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth, it doesn't even compare, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What does that mean? That the glory of God is so much greater. It's so much more precious than what I'm facing right now. So don't get caught up in your circumstances, in your situations, in your hardships for every moment. Because it is temporary. But the glory of God, it is forever. The relationship that you have with the Lord, it is forever. And this glory is, can only be accessed by Christians, those who have a relationship with Christ. And this is available to those. Number one, who wait on Christ, like the farmer, who are patient. And number two, who are in Christ. When you are in Christ, you are waiting on Christ. As you are waiting on Christ, you know that the Christ is in you. And knowing this, that the glory of God is far superior greater than my earthly glory, my earthly suffering, my earthly success. Knowing this should motivate us to endure patiently when we are wronged or when we are attacked. When crows come and when there's famine in the land, even though it seems like my crops have been destroyed. We know who is in control. We know my God is far greater, far superior than my material things here on this earth. That's why as Christians, when we are wronged, when something wrong happens to us, when we are treated unfairly, we continue to do good works. We continue to do godly things. Why? Because the Bible says in Galatians 6, chapter 6, verse 7 through 10, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Let's continue. It says, Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. It says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. It's saying even at the most opposition, the things that are opposing your life, we continue to do good work. And if we do so, if we don't grow weary, and as we are patient and waiting in the Lord, what does it say in verse 9? We will reap at the proper time. We'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. We will continue to do good works for the Lord. Amen? Let us continue to follow the Lord. For God will reward the good, the godly, 
still merciful. It says, a man reaps what he sows. God will reward those. If you are good, if you are godly, and if you are merciful, if you are a merciful individual, it says that you will be rewarded and awarded for your actions, for your work before the Lord, the ones who did good deeds and faith. But on the flip side of that, God will punish the wicked, the hypocrite, the unmerciful, the ones who are doing evil in his eyes. We need to understand that the judge is standing at the door. The ultimate judge is here. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. For I am being poured out like a drink offering, Paul says, and the time for my departure is near. Right? He's talking about his end. He's talking to his son, spiritual son Timothy. Paul is speaking to him. My end is near. My departure is near. I fought the good fight. He's saying, I have no regret. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This longing is not just for Paul, set aside for Paul, but it is for all those who are longing for his appearing, the judge, to come and bring and to make everything right. And Paul knew that his life was like a cup of water, that one day that he will have only one drop left, that he will take his final breath. But he knew his joy came. In the end, his joy came knowing that the Lord will reward and award him for his faithfulness. That's why Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He was confident in it. So the question I want to ask you, are you confident in your walk with the Lord? Have you fought the good fight? Are you fighting the good fight? Have you kept the faith? Then this applies to you. That award awaits you. That reward awaits you when you take that final drop of water, that final breath in this life. And Paul continues, you know, through Titus 2, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 15. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed, blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our God, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good, these then are the things you should teach, encourage, and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. It's saying as we continue to do good work, as we teach the younger ones, as we encourage the younger and the older ones and our friends, as we rebuke with authority, as we bring discipline, while we do all the good work, we need to remember verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who is that? It's talking about the great judge, as it was mentioned in James chapter 5. We need to remember who our God is. That our God, his love is infinite. But he is true to his name, that he is the great judge. 
That is why we fear him. That is why we revere him. Let us not confuse the love of God to the wrath of God and separate them. The love of God, the wrath of God is all God. It is who he is. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 to 7, the last verse here that I want to share with you in this point. What did God tell Moses? It says in verse 6, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, what does he say about himself? The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, period. A lot of Christians, a lot of people, this worldly, the people who are live, living in this worldly life, they literally live and they have a perspective of God. Who, those who grew up in church, they put a period right there and they think, that's it. Oh, God is always compassionate. He is gracious, slow to anger. Okay, so I can do whatever I want. If I do this, he will forgive me. He will forgive wickedness, rebellion, and sin, period. But they need to remember that he is the great judge, as was mentioned in James 5. You need to finish that verse, verse 7. What does it say? It says, yet, yet, flip that coin, yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation, as we talked about generational curses in the past. The Lord will bring about justice to all those who do good and to those who do evil, to all the good and evil done. Amen and amen. Okay, point number one. Be patient in oppression. Keep fighting the godly fight, for the Lord is coming soon. Therefore, do not grumble. Patiently wait on the Lord, for the judge will bring justice. The judge is standing at the door. Point number two, be courageous in persecution. Be courageous in persecution. It is easy to be courageous in a video game, right? Because you can respawn. But in life, it's a different thing. Because you only have one life and one chance. It says in verse 10 through 11, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Again, one life, one chance, there are no reduce. There's only one life, and there are many different paths. But there's only one path that we need to take. It is the path of knowing Jesus Christ. But the scary thing is, a lot of people live their whole life not knowing Jesus at all. And we ask the question, how is that possible? If Jesus is the ultimate if Christianity is the truth, the relationship with Jesus is the truth, how can they live their whole life outside of his will, outside of God's care? Well, because, well, we'll get to that in the future, but because their hearts have been hardened 
and they're being deceived each and every single day by Satan and by the demons that are attacking them. They're not able to take this one path because they have chosen themselves as the God of their life. James here is reminding us, be courageous in persecution. Letter A, stay resolute. It's talking to you Christians. This is not talking to an unbeliever. This is talking to you who are already believers. If you've been in the church, you grew up in the church, he's saying stay resolute. Stay. In other words, stay, remain steadfast, unyielding, firm, not bendable. Let it be. Stay committed. Not when things are easy, but when things are hard and difficult. You need to stay committed to the Lord. Let us see. Stay uncompromising. It is a everyday thing, uncompromising. You continue to not compromise your faith. Every day you need to fight the good fight because one compromise will lead your heart to compromise to the next. And sin is never isolated. It is never just one sin. When there's one sin, there's 10, 20, 30, 40 sin behind it. It is multiplied. You need to stay committed, uncompromised before the Lord. And we continue to do this day after day after day. Romans 13, verse 11 to 12. It says, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Saying each day you need to put on the armor of God, the armor of light. Every day you need to continue to do this because as each minute passes, as each day passes, your life is getting closer to the door of heaven, to the end of your life. Don't grow in pride, but humble yourself and put on the armor of light. First John 2, 18 to 19, the last scripture I want to share with you here in this point is, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and even now many Antichrists have come, this is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. For their going showed that none of them belong to us. In other words, to paraphrase this, to understand this simply, it means those who leave the faith, those who walk away from the church, they were never Christians to begin with. They never had real faith. Because if you have real faith, you will be resolute every day until you die. There is no way that you can walk away from the Lord. There is no way a true Christian will stay in Christ, will remain in Christ. They will stay resolute. They will stay committed. They will stay uncompromising. Did I say perfect? No. You and I were not perfect. I'm not perfect, 
you are not perfect. We make mistakes, but those are mistakes. But we repent and we stay resolute. We stay committed. We stay uncompromising in our faith before the Lord. And it's giving Job as an example. It gives, again, two categories, the prophets and Job. Job was a man who understood the mission of God, right? Even when he was standing alone, he understood the mission. In other words, when I say he understood the mission, he understand where the mission came from. That it came from the Lord. That he was a man who had tremendous faith and he endured patiently. And because he had tremendous faith and he endured patiently, what happened at the end? We know the end of Job's story. Job was rewarded and awarded for his endurance. For he stayed resolute. He stayed committed. And he stayed uncompromised before the world. So I want to encourage you, be courageous in persecution. Be courageous in suffering. Be courageous because it is not easy, but it is possible. And how is it possible? Because people who came before us have done it. The example are the prophets. Job is a good example for us to follow. Amen. And amen. And lastly, point number three. You may see this point three and be like, whoa, James, you're like throwing me off. Why all of a sudden are you talking about swearing? Like how does this all fit in from being patient, being patient in oppression, and then being courageous during persecution? Like how does this all fit in? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. He's talking about your oath, your allegiance, your allegiance to who? Is it to Christ or is it to the world? Because if you only use the name of God as your genie, then you will not last in your walk with the Lord. In your faith, you will not last. There are a lot of people who say, oh, I swear in God's name. I swear in my mother's name. But yet we break, we break promises all the time. So both, what this part, what point three is teaching us is, is teaching us to be simple. The work of God is very simple. Men and women of God, listen to me carefully. I'll say it again. My brothers and sisters, the gospel is simple. Don't overcomplicate it. So point three, be simple in your answers. As Christians, we should be simple people. Verse 12, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Don't swear in your mother's name. Don't swear in your pet's name, in your cat's name. Don't swear by anything else. All you need to do is what? A simple yes or no, or otherwise, you will be condemned. So what is your answer before the Lord? This is the most important question, and this is the most important answer that you need to answer. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? The answer is yes. If you say maybe, I think, then you're not. It is better for you to say no than for you to be in between because we learn in the book of Revelation that God hates lukewarmness. That God hates when you are standing in the middle. He wants your yes or he wants your no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. It's teaching us, may your yes be a yes, and your no be no. 
All we need to say is simply yes or no. And anything beyond this comes from the evil one. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 37. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And we see the connection here from James 5, 12 to what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 37. But people who confuse the simple answer to yes or no with elaborate speech, with excuses. Watch out. Watch out for those people. For they're not really in the faith. Jesus is teaching us to keep our tongue, our speech, our answers simple. But everybody in this life, in this world, we live this way by default. You know, like we have a hard time trusting people. Like, you swear in your mother's name? You swear in a grave? You know, like with judo too, with a couple of the guys, like, it's funny because nobody farts, right? So I remember one time we're doing this training, this move. There's this young kid named Thomas. He's like a monster, right? He just doesn't know how to stop. But anyways, he was doing this move, and then I let out some gas. And then I was like, Thomas, why'd you do that? And everybody's like, oh. And then Thomas was like, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And then a few weeks later, we were just fellowshipping. We were in a group. We are catching up. And then Thomas comes up to me. Yeah, remember the time when, when you fought it and then you blamed it on me? I was like, what? What are you talking about? It was you. And everybody knew it was a joke. We're just clowning because he's young. He's like, and he's like, are you kidding me? You're a pastor. Do you swear in God? In God's name? You swear? I was like, nope. I don't swear in God's name. I don't swear. It's, it's, Jesus says, simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. He's like, what? He's so confused. But that's where I get it from. We don't swear and we don't use the name of God in vain. But we just say yes and we say no. And that is the truth because as Christians, we speak the truth. And if Christ is in us, we speak the truth, and we don't need to use a name as a crutch. We just say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. No, I will not follow you. So Jesus is teaching us to keep our tongue, our speech, and our answers in our life simple. So that's why verse 12 is very important. Don't over-elaborate. Don't over-complicate. Just simply follow the Lord, and the rest will follow. Have a pure heart. If you have a pure heart and you seek the Lord, he will teach you wisdom. He will bestow upon you favor. He will bestow upon you guidance, people who will lead you, and people that you will lead. And God will keep you grounded. And only the word of God, only the, our Lord, can keep us grounded in him. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. But the sad reality is there are those here today who will go to church and who will listen to a message or even hear this message 
and they will overcomplicate the message of the gospel. They will say things like, but you don't know what I have done. You don't know what I am going through. Or even pastors, they overcomplicate the gospel, the simplicity of the message. But the Lord is simply, what he's teaching us, he's reminding us, is what will your answer be today? If your answer to the Lord is complicating, then you will never fully surrender to the Lord. And not fully surrendering to the Lord is equivalent to not surrendering to the Lord. Let your answer be simple today. The gospel is very simple. Is it a yes or is it a no? You need to make that decision today. And the book of James here is teaching us in your suffering, in your waiting, follow me. Follow the Lord. Jesus is saying, follow me. Don't overcomplicate it. All your momentary troubles and your suffering, it is temporary. It will not last forever. But my relationship with you is everlasting. And that is what's going to hold you to the end. And in closing, I want to share just a few more scriptures just to support this claim. Because I don't want it to be my own opinion or my thought, but let's all rely on the word of the Lord. What does it say in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 46? Paul is talking to Timothy, saying, who wants all people, all people, to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Think about the prison. The thief, the liar, the rapist, all those who committed disgusting crimes. This is who wants all, all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people. You want a new life? Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the only answer. We want to unite the world? Then Jesus is the answer. For there to be no war, the Jews, the Muslims, they need to believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, that he died and he rose again from the dead that he lives. Unless we do that, we will continue to live in the world. We will continue to be blinded in the world. We need to turn to the Lord now, 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 now. Again, Numbers 14, 18. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punished the children for the sin of the parents of the third and fourth generation. Generational curse will continue unless it is cut in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember this. To those who will start a new family, remember this. You need to cut those curses in his name, in your relationship with him. And lastly, 
Well, I have two more actually. First Chronicles 21, 13, David said to God, I am in deep distress. Let me fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercy is very great, but do not let me fall into human hands. And lastly, Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. What will you choose? As David said, will you fall into human hands? Will you fall into the hands of the Lord? For me, I want to fall into the hands of the Lord. Even though it is scary, because I know I am full of sin, but I also believe that He is slow to anger, abounding in love, forgiving sin, wickedness, and rebellion. As long as I humble myself, I believe with all my heart that the Lord will be found. Because it says in Isaiah 55, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. It doesn't say call on him when you're clean. No one can be clean. Call on him while he may be found. Amen. And amen. amen. So that's how we endure, men and women of God. Endure always. What does that mean? Face reality. You're going to face persecution. You're going to face oppression. You're going to be oppressed. You need to be patient, though. And every day, you need to keep the gospel simple. You say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. No, Lord, I give up. And if you give up, you are never in the faith. But it is better for you to say no than for you to stay in the middle. So it's everything put together. But again, it's very simple. Yes or no. I pray that as we pray and as we close the service today, that your answer will always be, yes, Lord. When I'm facing trials, yes, Lord. When I'm blessed, yes, Lord. Never know, never know, never know, but always a yes, 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 yes. And that's how we endure always. Amen? And with that, I'm going to invite the praise team to come up. I was very blessed with uh, the first song, with the line who compares to you who set the stars in their place. And what I would like for you to do is, uh, as we're now getting ready for Lent, uh, let's all uh, stand to our feet. And as we have this song in the background, I want to encourage you, just remember how amazing, how powerful, and how beautiful our God is. And as we proclaim our praises to Him, we also, I want to invite you to pray. Pray, and I pray in your heart and in your action in your life. You say, yes, Lord, I will follow you for all of my days. Amen and amen. Let's worship and pray together. You who brings 
Yes, Lord, to follow you all the days of my life. All I have is you and you alone. Nothing else matters in this life. Simple yes is what you ask of us. Oh, Lord, I
gospel, even though life may not be simple, it may be complicating at times with persecution, oppression, with all the things that come with living this one life. Thank you, Lord, that you are simple, that, Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And all we need is a simple gospel. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And with the simplicity of the gospel, Lord, we answer you as your children, and we say, yes, yes, Lord, yes, I trust in you, yes, Jesus, I love you. That's it, nothing more, nothing less. We thank you for this time, we give you all the glory and all the honor. We pray all of these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and as God's people we pray, amen. with that, let's close our service with our final song, The Path of Life in Jesus, and then we'll close the service with the benediction. Let us sing and worship together.
us all go to our seat, and with that, let us all pray together for our final prayer of benediction. Let us pray together. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And now, may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. May you work within us what is pleasing in him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom we glory forever and ever. As God's people we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you all in the back. God bless you.